0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Invested. I'm Danielle Town. Almost two years ago, my dad and I talked about Tesla and its inner workings and the ups and downs in the stock price, and whether or not its price of the stock has anything to do with its actual value as a company. Now, Tesla's back in the news for having been, again, up and down, and the same questions are still out there. So we're going to play this one from The Vault. Let us know if you think we were right or not. Enjoy.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town.
0: And this is Danielle Town.
1: Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we're talking about how to manage your own money and do better than handing it to a robo-advisor or somebody else out there. Like, you do it. How do you do it?
0: Anybody else out there, you do it. Forget them. And this isn't
1: just, it's not entirely completely off the wall. We're going to do it the way Warren Buffett does it.
0: Yeah, he manages his own money, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So we've been speaking about this process here as Danielle and I kind of go through a father-daughter thing about how to become an investor. And we are going to take a look today at a company called Tesla because we have so many people who write us in about Tesla. Yeah. Like, can I invest in this kind of a company? And so there's a lot of really good issues that come out of this. And I, I thought I'd start off, Danielle, with um, just kind of the way Buffett looked at it from a conversation that he had with Bill Gates that he said he had, oh. which kind of went like this.
0: Okay, so hold on, just before we get into it for people who don't know what Tesla is, Tesla is a car company. It's been started recently by the entrepreneur Elon Musk. They make battery-powered cars, so no gas. They're not hybrids. They run on, you like have a little electric power thing in your garage and you plug it in when you need it and you hopefully find charging stations wherever you go. And there's no gas involved. So it's a very different kind of car company than your conventional car companies that are trying to make a lot of hybrid cars or even like some electric cars. It's totally electric. And uh, and also they're fast. So people who like cars tend to like Teslas.
1: They are. And they they're they're very interesting in that you can buy a car. Uh, they're predicting within a few years you'll be able to buy a car for from Tesla for about $30,000.
0: Oh yeah, that's a really good point. They're really expensive. I forgot that.
1: Yeah, they're very expensive. Yeah. They're they're Porsche priced cars, right? BMW, Mercedes. They're up there at $100,000. Um, but you may get a lot more for your $100,000 than you do when you buy anybody else, which makes them so interesting mm-hmm. because a normal gasoline or diesel driven automobile has about 2,000 moving parts. Mm-hmm. In it, all of which can break and all of which do at some point or another. Um, An electric vehicle has 20 moving parts. 20? Yeah.
0: What? I didn't know that. Unbelievable, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's just unbelievably simple compared to a gas car. And for that reason, if you paid, let's say you paid, um, you wanted a car that would go zero to 60. Do you happen to know how fast it gets there? I think it's three seconds, maybe. It's
0: three seconds, really, three seconds, really is, fast. It's re- too fast for a consumer car. All
1: right, I'm googling it. I'm googling. Yeah. It. We well, I'll know. tell
0: you just from my own experience. I remember when Teslas first came out. This was probably like five years ago or something. And I was driving from Denver to Boulder and I was getting on the freeway and there was a Tesla in front of me. And of course, I noticed it because they were like new and exciting. Everyone was looking for them. And uh, and this car was driving on to this Tesla was driving onto the freeway in front of me. And I'm driving my Nissan Xterra, which is like this ridiculous, like slow moving, like hunk of a car. And this Tesla in front of me just went on like a totally normal car and then just disappeared into the sunset like whoever had it was having such a good time with their new Tesla and they were killing it on the on-ramp onto the freeway and it was so fun to see I just loved it and now I really want a Model X which is their sort of SUV-ish kind of car and uh yeah uh, one day one day I'll have one
1: so without without making a huge investigation into this thing, just the zero to 60 times, um, Tesla actually built a car to go out and set a production record on zero to 60, and it did it in 2.28 uh, seconds.
0: But that's not what... I mean, that's... Wow, first of all. But that's not what's in the consumer yes. cars, is it?
1: Um, don't think... it's it, They call it the Tesla Roadster... Mm-hmm. SP85D or something like that. I think it's, or no, the model SP100D set the all time record for zero to 60 clocking at 2.28 seconds. Um, so, so it's fast. That's pretty, pretty good. good. I mean, <clears throat> that's fast. And I think they're running four seconds for some reason. Yeah, that of would make models. sense to me. Um, and what, what we're saying here is that these are cars that are doing zero to 60 like a Corvette Stingray, um, big muscle car. Uh, you know, one hundred and seventy thousand dollars Porsche. You know, something well, it's like that.
0: it's like Veyron and, level, like a Bugatti Veyron. I mean, it's it's crazy yeah, supercar level. Fast. It's not even muscle car. <clears throat> muscle cars can't do that, but supercar.
1: Here's the crazy thing about where they're going: is they're going to a car they expect to be able to sell for about thirty thousand dollars that will have Porsche like speeds. It it can go that fast for thirty thousand yeah. dollars. And right now, the Tesla is rated by Consumer Reports uh, to be the number one car in the world. And I believe uh, I've read anywhere somewhere that they scored it a 103 out of 100 possible points. <laughs> I give it 103. So the, the point of all this is that, that these guys are building a car that at least some people think is freaking amazing. And uh, I have to say, I, I've never actually driven one, but I've I've stood by them and looked (laughs) at them. Well, and even when you've you've looked
0: inside them, they look different even on the inside. They don't really have a normal dashboard. They have this like totally space-agey flat panel. It's all computers right in the middle. Like there's no AC knobs or anything. It's just a flat computer.
1: And they're building them, by the way, to be completely autonomous so that you don't have to have a driver when that technology finally arrives. You don't have to have a driver for yeah. your Tesla car. It's already yeah. set up. <laughs> Although you're having you're having a steering wheel and some pedals that you don't. Yeah, need. I
0: gotta say. Uh, so <laughs> my car now has. I think you have this too. Most of them have like those like uh, warning signals, like when you go in the wrong lane or when a car comes up behind you or something. Like the car will. Yeah. Yeah, the, like something will happen. And- like I get lights, and I think on yours the wheel shakes and stuff. So. I don't know about you, but on my car, that malfunctions, I would say, 20% of the time. They do the little shake or the little lights, and there is nobody there, and it's so irritating. Does that happen to you?
1: Uh, I've got that same bug. It's like it's telling me something's out there that's about to hit me, and it's just Horrible. It goes beep, and then you get an audible and you get a visual signal. Right. And there's nothing. Right. there's so. nothing there. Or that it tells me I'm sleeping. It's like oh, I'm sleeping with the wheel. Right. It gives you it the gives wake the, up signal. Oh, you're, 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 yeah, wake up and, and pay attention. And I, like for no reason whatsoever. I already have Melissa sitting next <laughs> to me. She'll do that automatically. If there's ever a problem and she's fine and this now thing's going off. take that
0: information so I that you have from your own personal experience and think about how soon we really are to self-driving cars. I but just don't I, buy it. It might not I be as quick as we think. It. These people who are like, oh, we're going to have one in five years. I'm like, dude, this thing can't even tell me properly even 100% of the time if there's a car on my left.
1: Okay, one of our cars shows me the speed limit.
0: Are you on, saying that like on, it's a new right feature? Right there
1: in. Yes. <laughs> no. I mean, it comes on. Do you have Your that? The car shows you the speed limit. It has a speed limit sign that looks just like the sign on the road that says speed limit thirty-five.
0: I have that. Yeah. You have that.
1: Oh, I'm so impressed cool. with this. That, that I have to so, say is helpful because
0: I usually have no clue what the speed limit is. But it's wrong a lot.
1: Well, I'm driving down the road. Yeah. And it's wrong a lot. Like I'm going down there telling me it's the speed limit 40. I know I'm in a 55, you know? So I'm thinking there's a long way to go for all the infrastructure. That's and what all I'm that saying, kind of Dad. Here's, that's what I'm here's saying.
0: What, Let's use a little common yes. sense here.
1: And I, I agree. Well, I, I got to tell you, there's a guy named Tony Siba out there that you should look up if you're interested in this area of the disruption of the automobile industry, transportation industry, the energy industry, all of which are uh, he's arguing are in the process of being massively disrupted and that the disruption will come extremely quickly. So and he makes the point that that in like it can come so much quicker than you can imagine. He said in New York in 1900. There were no cars, there were no any automobiles of any sort. Everything was horse-drawn wagons. And 13 years later, there were no horse-drawn wagons in New York City. So you have this massive transition that occurred in just 13 years back in the turn of the century with the last really massively disruptive, or one of the last massively disruptive technologies in transportation. So he's arguing it's gonna come a lot faster than you think it will, which I think is kind of interesting. And of course, the guys at the forefront of a lot of this are are Elon Musk at Tesla. So we do get a lot of questions. Hey, what about Tesla? You know, how do you invest in a company like this? Yeah, well, and by the way,
0: we're not the only ones getting the questions because that stock has shot up over the last (laughs) over the last since they existed. I mean, everyone's like Tesla's the sexy stock. You know, everyone wants to own it, and the valuation is. Something like even by conventional standards, not even by rule one standards, like insanely high.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you, how to the point high where
0: there are national news articles about how ridiculous Tesla stock
1: is. General Motors Corporation, right now. Is has a market cap that means what the market will pay for it. If you take all of the shares of stock that are available okay. and bought them all at today's price, you'd pay so fifty six billion okay, dollars. So for
0: fifty six billion, you could buy the entire company it, of General Motors.
1: The entire company of General Motors, and it will cost you, I think, sixty five billion to buy yeah, the I entire mean, that's company of
0: insane. Tesla. Insane! It's insane.
1: And, and just to put that in context, General Motors actually makes money. <laughs> they actually make money.
0: And they sell they, they, more than two or three cars.
1: I mean, the stock is selling for $38 a share, and they make almost $7 a share in cash, in money, in real money. And and they sell for 38 Tesla, on the other hand, loses money hand over yeah. fist and is losing more money each year, um, as they try to reach for profitability and ramp up and, and get to scale and all of the things they're trying to do in a manufacturing company, they sell for 10 times more per share, which is, by the way, meaningless, right? I mean, that doesn't mean that they're 10 times Wait, say more that expensive. Again? Well, GM sells for 38 bucks, and Tesla sells for three hundred and eighty Well, it depends on
0: how many shares they have.
1: Does that mean Tesla's more expensive? Yeah, it depends on how many shares they have. So $389 a share, and they make no earnings whatsoever. They make minus $5 a share in earnings um, on a trailing 12 months basis. So they're they're selling for $65 billion. So here's here's I think something so fascinating about the style of investing that we are teaching and 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 what you're learning coming from Buffett. Is that Bill Gates urged Warren Buffett in 2001 to mm. get into the computer Famously, business and start yeah. investing in computers. Yeah. I mean, these guys are friends. and I think it was 2001. It might have been later than that. But basically, Buffett said, well, why do I need a computer? And and Or why do I need to be involved in the computer industry? And Gates said, because it's going to change everything. Okay. And Buffett goes, is it going to change how I chew gum? And Gates goes, no, probably not. He says, well, then you stick to computers and I'll stick to gum. And the point being that Buffett has made billions of dollars following a very rigid prescription to not try to be involved in disruptive technology by just sticking to things that aren't really disruptable. Or if they're going to be disrupted or the moat is going to be broken is another way to say it then it comes so slowly, you can see it coming over an entire generation. It's not going to happen overnight. So here you have Tony Siba saying that here's an entire industry that's going to be disrupted overnight. And you have Buffett saying, well, I really want to invest in gum companies, Wrigley Gum, right, or something like that. Now, here's the catch, is that if there's a major disruption in something like what Tesla's doing, it could run right down into companies that to this point, have been thought to be not disruptible, oh, like absolutely. General Motors. And so, in fact, it is, and I and it, a lot of really good Rule 1 investors have money in General Motors right now or have money in Chrysler right now. And if we're closer to this disruptive event than we think we are, these guys could be putting money into companies. Which yeah, I mean, I guess men-walking. I'm not
0: really seeing
1: they just don't the know parallel
0: exactly to between computers and gum companies and two different kinds of car companies. I mean, two different kinds of car companies seem
1: right, naturally,
0: potentially disruptive to one another or in, in one direction only, probably. They are.
1: Uh, they are. And the, but I guess the parallel is that there could be something in the gum industry that's going to disrupt the gum industry and you need to be aware of that. So here you are investing, as I just said, many people are investing in General Motors and Fiat Chrysler and Ford. Um, They're investing in insurance companies, they're investing in Exxon Mobil, they're investing in BP. So they're investing in energy and they're investing in transportation. And yet what's going on right in front of us is the potential to so massively disrupt those industries that you might be buying, when you buy Exxon right now, you might be buying something that could be a tenth of its size by the year 2030. That the demand for oil might peak at 100 million barrels a day and go down to 70 million barrels a day, and there's just more oil being drilled, and no, everybody's got a ton of oil, and oil prices are at eight dollars a barrel, and you know, I mean, complete yeah. What you're talking about Island is there, industry
0: right? level disruption, so, which of course trickles down to certain companies within the industry. But really what you're talking about is on an industry level, where is this industry going in the next 10, 20 years and which companies are going to survive as that thing happens?
1: Right. And what I really want you to get is that if it's hard for you to figure that out, then stay away. That's going to be the rule. So when we look at a Tesla... We have to figure out a lot of things, right? So on one side, we're looking at GM and thinking, wow, if Tesla and the rest of the electric car guys disrupt this or autonomous cars in conjunction with that, disrupt GM, um, it may be that instead of using a car 4 or 5% of the day, which is the average amount of time of automobiles used right now, then the usage with autonomous driving cars that Tesla's developing and Apple's developing and Google's developing and Uber's developing that those cars can operate 10 hours a day, in which case you'd need about one of the cars that are in the world right now, because you've got all these vehicles that are going around picking people up and they're not parked someplace. So all of a sudden you don't need parking garages. Those can be converted to valuable other resources. Um, you have You have this disruption going through the supply chain for all of the companies that are supplying General Motors and Ford and Chrysler, companies in Canada, companies in Europe. I mean, you have this potential for disruption all over that industry. And then you're going to look at Tesla and say, oh, and Tesla is going to be the winner.
0: How do you know that?
1: But how do you know Tesla is going to be the winner? And what should you pay for this company if you don't know where it will be with some degree of reliability 10 years out? If you can't make a reasonable estimate and all you're doing is saying, well, it's going to be worth a lot more than it is today, then what is it worth today? What is it actually selling for today? And if we said, okay, well, we know that General Motors is selling for, you know, ballpark eight or nine times its earnings right now. Let's just call it 10 times earnings. That would mean if Tesla's at $65 billion, it needs $6.5 billion of earnings mm-hmm to be a comparable buy, 6.5 billion in earnings. Well, it has 166 million shares. So, you know, we're looking at, what, $40 a share, I think, I'm just doing the math in my head, I'm not very good at that, but I think about 40 would do it. Yeah, that's about 6.6 6 billion. So. We need to have earnings of forty dollars a share, and right now we're minus four dollars yeah, and sixty-seven cents. Like I'm,
0: I'm like, why are you even figuring how, out what, how many, how much earnings it would need to have? They don't have any earnings. That's the point.
1: That is the point. Well, the the, the point I was making badly is that the value of a business is the the.
0: Yeah. what you would I, pay I mean, I'm, for the I'm future cash flow that you're going to I get it right? it, right? Like the point is, what's going to happen in the next two, three, five, ten years with Tesla? And I think what people think is going to happen is that all of a sudden, Teslas are going to take over a lot of the car market because, as you said, they're a better car, and we're moving towards electric, which both of which are really good things for consumers, by the way both of which are things we want to support in the world, or I do anyway. And I think people keep thinking like, all right, at some point, this is going to hit. At some point, this company is going to take over the whole car industry. And uh, yeah, that's the question. Are they right? And what's how much of it is a gamble, as you always say, and how much of it is investing?
1: I'm, I'm just thinking that there's some powerful things we need to think about here. In terms of investing, is it investing to buy Tesla at three hundred eighty nine dollars a share? Is that really investing, or are you just going down and rolling the dice on something you really like and something you'd love to see get better? And as you just said, I am with you one hundred percent. I love Elon Musk. I think he's a total disruptor, and I just love that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're trying to do the same thing to the financial advisory industry—is disrupt the industry, get you guys doing this kind of investing on your own. So we feel a lot of of, uh, of, of similar, um, ideas that we share with other industries in terms of disruption. And Musk is that huge disruptor and he's making a beautiful car. And I think they're really a fabulous deal. I I mean, if I had, if I wasn't living out in the sticks where, you know, I need to go more than a couple hundred miles without charging the car, um, I would probably be interested in buying one. So the thing is though, that doesn't mean I should go in and own this company. At the current price that it's selling for. And if I'm not sure what price to pay for this thing, then it just has to go in the too hard box or it has to be recognized as a pure gamble. I'm just gonna put a little money, raw Las Vegas money into Tesla, yeah. you know, to kind of hold up my flag that, yay, Tesla. And I'll tell you right now, I don't see, I don't see how you can figure out that this thing is worth $65 billion right now. I just don't figure out how you figure out it's worth $389 a share times the number of shares, which is $65 billion. If it would be reasonable if GM is selling for 40 uh, or for, for 10 times its earnings that we put Tesla in the same ballpark and say 10 times earnings. Okay, man, you got to have $40 a share of earnings. There's, there's nothing on the horizon that would indicate that they're going to do that in an industry that's going through all this disruption. I mean, they've got to build new factories. They've got to build giga factories for, for batteries. They've got to build out their entire sales distribution. And all the while, while they're inventing this new wheel, they've got huge companies with a ton of cash flow like GM, Ford, Chrysler, Mercedes, BMW, who are standing there ready to move in on that market mm-hmm. the moment their uh, customers want that stuff. And right now, you know, that means that there's going to be further disruption. So uh, what I think you we have to realize is you can't just go buy stuff you love. It just doesn't work that way. You have to be patient and you have to wait until you get an opportunity to buy something with a big margin of safety. And if we do it like that, that means... You, have you to know mentioned the value that of the business. you
0: think Warren Buffett doesn't buy worth. into disruptive industries or new industries because he can't see what's coming in the future. But I would also say it's essentially what you've been saying for the last five minutes, which is that those industries, those companies don't have the 10 years of history that you always tell me to look at either. They don't have a rear view mirror. As much as they don't have a front view (laughs) windscreen, (laughs) to use the car analogy.
1: Exactly. So
0: you can't look back and say like, oh, they did really well for five years, and then they had a blip, and here's how they dealt with it. And now they're going up, and I'm going to explain exactly why. Because Tesla has no five years of good (laughs) results. They have nothing the whole time they've been going I mean, they've done well because they keep on infusing money into the company, and I really hope that it comes out at some point and is a success. But I don't quite even know how to use the tools that you've taught me on a company that has negative numbers.
1: Well, well which, yeah, which right. is right. You, <laughs> you can well, you can use them, but you're not going to get anywhere, right? I mean, you, you basically are going to look for 10 years of history because – and let me tell you why 10 years is, is a fairly good number to work with. For the last 140 years of our economic history in the United States, we've had a major recession at a maximum of 10 years. So we've never gone longer than 10 years without one, which is why we think one's coming up pretty near, near to now. And that means that if you look at 10 years of history on a company – whatever industry they're in has gone through some sort of recession in that 10-year period and you get to see how this company handled it we like to say that that um oh yeah you know you never really know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out and so the the advantage of looking out the rearview mirror is to see were these guys swimming naked when the tide went out last time or were they actually you know doing what they said they were doing they're swimming around right and and being able to look at that means, okay, what else can I see? It means I can see that they came out of it stronger mm-hmm. out of the recession than they went into it, which is what big moat companies do. They acquire their weaker competitors during or shortly after recessions. And then um, you can use that as a model for where this company might go in the future because predicting the future is very dangerous, right? It's really hard to do. Um, so having some history of what the, what the road looked like behind us, is incredibly valuable to figuring out what the future should look like if everything stays the same. If the moat continues to do the job of protecting the business from competition, if management continues to function well, then tomorrow should look a lot like yesterday. And that's why it's so important. And you're so right. Tesla's got nothing back there. It's really good that we talk about it because there's so
0: many companies that are coming up these days that are like the cool company that you I want to invest in. I want to be part of. And it's it's frustrating to not get to buy into a company you want to be in. Like a company where you're like, oh.
1: I can completely relate for a couple of reasons. It's, it's, first off, it's really, really wonderful to support something you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. which is one of our principles of investing, right? We want to love what we're buying into and know that it's going to be right. good for the world 20 years down the road. And the that's other reason is just that pure I fun use,
0: you know? to something, in something that, like, that's my exploding friends use and, and becomes like, super oh,
1: successful. In that thing. So here's what I would suggest to all of us who love that kind of thing is let's make money that we're going to have for the rest of our lives this way, this rule number one style, being very careful to just focus on those few companies that we really understand that have a very predictable future. And let's buy those for the big margin of safety the next recession. And let's then take the excess capital, the money above and beyond what we need to live the rest of our lives. Oh, that's and the, let's be uh, the venture capitalists the with that. Portfolio. Let's be angel investors with that. Yes. So we can take some part of our portfolio and recognize we are now moving out of the investing strategy. Investing is one thing. We're moving over to a different strategy we're now going to take some of this money and we're going to do angel investing, which by the way, is really fun. You get to look at a lot of new technologies. You get to meet a lot of entrepreneurs and interesting people. And essentially you're jumping into the shark tank, right? That's what those guys are doing. They're doing angel investing. And you can see if you ever want to learn something about that, watch the shark tank reruns and, and they're, they're giving you a fabulous education week after week after week with these reruns. And and I really strongly recommend it. They're very good at what they do. All, All of the people on there are very, very successful and are careful about what they're putting money into and are asking the right questions. So you can see, though, that it's a gamble, right? I mean, they're talking to people and going, you know, essentially, how do I know how much to pay for this business? And you'll see Mr. Wonderful over and over again, saying, okay, well, I'm going to give you 50000 and I'm taking 33% of your business. That's just all there is to it. Or Lori Grenier, she's like, <laughs> yes, I will give you your $50,000 and I will take 50% of your business, right? And yes, I know your value of your business way higher than that, but you're not taking into account the fact that I have to come in here and make this work, you know? So a so whole different world and very, very fun. And some of you could be very good at it um, when you get your capital and your financial life to where you have the extra capital to do it. So I'd say that's that's when you start looking at Teslas. So for now, put away the fun of that and let's just go to the basics and let's just make it the old fashioned way. Nice and steady, be very patient, don't do anything except focus on figuring out oh, which pitches are the fat pitches and then just swing at those.
0: That was such a dad episode. Like, eat your vegetables before your dessert.
1: Thanks, you guys. Time to go play. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three day transformational investing workshop for free, where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days. We don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free. So come on over there and take a look at that. And by the way, as our lawyers want me to say, everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, my opinion's right, and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play.